What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. Amen and amen. Amen. Wow. It is amazing. Uh, I was saying how I have not had the opportunity to be here since the remodel. And man, it looks great in here. It looks so good. And can we just praise God for that? We got space. You guys are growing. Look what the Lord's doing through Thrive. This is just so amazing. I praise God. Uh, I praise God for all of the pastors that are here, all of the leaders that are here, all of the serve teams that serve so well here. I praise God for each and every one of you. And Thrive has a special place in my heart. And uh, Pastor Chris uh, is someone uh, that I cherish and I praise the Lord for. And so I just thank God for all that he is doing in this place. Amen and amen. Okay, so let's uh, pray since you're standing. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for all that you do. We pray, Holy Spirit, that today you will distribute this word, Heavenly Father, and that we will eat from what you have prepared, my God. I thank you in advance for all that you are going to do in this moment. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, and amen, and amen. Find about six people and just tell them hello. Say, what's up, what's up, what's up? And go ahead and find your seat. Six people, hello, howdy. What's up? How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> Man, it is good to be here, uh, Thrive family, and uh, my name is Roger, and listen, I grew up going to my great-grandmother's church, and she was an old-school Pentecostal woman with an old-school Pentecostal church. Anybody grow up like old-school Pentecostal, old, old-school Pentecostal? Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, so, you know, hair up, dress down type of thing, right? Dress down to here, hair up to here, and and, uh, and it was just a crazy place, and, and she, uh, she, had a, she had this bun, this huge bun that was about the size of a satellite dish and about a thousand bobby pins in it, you know what I mean? And you get close enough, and she picks up radio waves, you know, and, and you just think Jesus is talking to you. All of a sudden, in the song, you hear something, and you're like, you know, and, and, it, and it's insane, and, and, and I loved it. It was a great time, and, and, but, but the thing that I loved most about, uh, about church wasn't the worship, and it wasn't the preaching, but it was the potlucks. The potlucks, yeah, yeah, and, and, and I love to eat, and, and potlucks aren't the same as they used to be, not the same as they used to be, and, and there's a generation that doesn't know how to really do potluck, and, and so when we call a potluck, you know, everybody brings, you know, hummus dips and pretzels, and, and I'm just like, what in the world's going on, you know, where's the ribs and, and the mashed potatoes and the gravy and, 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 and you know, and the chicken, yeah, see, there you go, and, and, and where, where, where is it at, and, and so we used to have tables and tables and tables of it, and, and it was just a glorious sight to be seen, and. And, and that's where I really felt the presence of God. I'd be feeling on my plate and be like, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You died on the cross and set me free. Thank you, Jesus, for your blessing. Overflow. Hallelujah. Press down. Shaking together. Get that gravy running over. You know, and, and so it was just a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing. And so I was texting my wife this morning, and I was just telling her how much I miss her and stuff, you know. And, but but I got to be honest, a little, little bit of me, tiny bit of me, tiny bit of me was like, well, you know, I do miss her. But, you know, tiny bit of me felt a little free. Because lately she's been watching what I'm eating, right? She's been kind of watching what I'm eating. And, 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 so, and so today I was like, well, I could just eat whatever. I mean, I could just eat whatever. I mean, this is just great. You know, I feel so free. I feel free. I could just, I can have, you know, if I want to have, you know, a second scoop of ice cream, I can do it. Nobody's going to say nothing. You know what I mean? If I want to get a double cheeseburger, ain't nobody going to say nothing. She's not here to say, I feel free. 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 
today I want to talk to you about the lie of freedom. The lie of freedom. And I'd love to ask you two questions, two questions. Question number one is, what is freedom? What is freedom? And question number two, are you free? What is freedom? And are you free? Now, I heard that this is second service, and I heard second service can handle a message. That's what I heard. So we're going to give it today, all right? Praise Jesus. So, okay, so what is freedom? And are you free? In the passage that we're about to read momentarily, it talks about how Jesus says, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed because there's a difference between being free and being free indeed. See, there's a difference between understanding uh, theoretically or abstractly in theory freedom and then experiencing freedom. There's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference between confessing that you believe that you are free and actually walking in that freedom. There is a difference. And, and so we live in America, the land of the free. But can I suggest to you this morning that you could be living in the land of the free but not be free? But not be free. Would you turn to John chapter 8, for those of you who have your Bible on, or if not, the passage will be up on the screen, but John chapter 8 is where you'll find the assignment this morning, and this is how it reads. It says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him. We're Abraham's descendants, and we've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we're going to be set free? Jesus replied, oh no, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. That's the word of the Lord. You are free Indeed, as we exposit this text, we're just going to extrapolate some truths that I hope that you can apply and maybe even challenge your worldview in how you engage the culture that you find yourself in, whether it's in work or, or on a school campus or, or whether it's in your family or even within yourself for this morning. But before we dive in too deeply, let me just kind of give you the GPS of where we're going. And there's three points to this message because, you know, I'm just super creative. Three points. Uh, point number one, surprise there, right? Point number one, the complexity of freedom. Point number two will be the enemy of freedom. And then point number three will be the life of freedom. So point number one, the complexity of freedom. Now, I pastor a church called Inspire. I'm one of the pastors there in the Bay Area. And the Bay Area is one of the cities in America where we are the spearhead of what postmodernism and post-Christianity looks like. We, we, if you look at like Europe and Australia and you kind of can see where, where things are headed. And, and so in that, uh, in that culture, uh, what, what, what is kind of big there is they'll say, listen, uh, if you are a Christian, then that means you have to give up some of your freedom. In order to be a Christian, you have to give up some of your freedom. That's what they'll say. And, and, and so the question is, well, is that true? Is that true? And the answer is, well, it depends on how you define freedom. It depends on how you define freedom. 
And that's not being ambiguous, but rather it's being complex. And so when we look at this passage of verses, chapter 31 through 36, what we see is verses 31 and 32, Jesus shows us that there's a complexity to freedom, right? 33 and through 34, he shows us the ultimate enemy of freedom. And then 35 and 36, he shows us how to live free. So 31 and 32 says this, to the Jew who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, Jesus Christ is starting a movement. This, this thing that we are in called Christianity is actually a movement. It's a movement. It wasn't always called Christianity. It was first called the way and then so on and so forth. But, but it, it, it is a movement. And the problem is, is that fear, when fear comes in, fear will often take a movement and turn it into a monument. And most of our spiritual entanglements tell us, they identify for us where we stopped moving with Christ and where we stopped and we memorialized where God had been rather than thirst for where God is going, you see, for where God is taking you to, for who God is wanting to form you into becoming, you see. And so what Jesus is actually saying here is this, is that in order for you to be free, for you to experience real freedom, then you have to accept my constraints. That's what he says. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean? In order to be free, I have to accept constraints. Free constraints. Free constraints. Something isn't adding up. Because needless to say, this is the exact opposite of what the modern American culture will tell us, define for us what freedom is, you see. See, because in our culture, freedom is the absence of all constraints on our choices. So the fewer inferences we have, the fewer limitations that we have, the more free we are. And if anything constrains me, right, if anything limits me then, and limits my choosing, then, then that means I am less free. That, that, that's what culture will tell you. That's what society will say. And we see it everywhere, everywhere, right? That this philosophy has slipped into everything. Now, being a father of three daughters, I have watched many Disney movies. Frozen being one of them. And you know, you watch it over and over and over and over and over again. And, and eventually they get tired, but not till after about 500 times. And then you go on to something else and watch that 500 times. And, and so here you are with Frozen, and, and, and so here's Elsa, and I'm not saying don't watch Frozen, we still watch Frozen, so don't get me wrong, but, but you know, here, and here's Elsa, and she's about to burst into song, because of course it's a Disney movie, so that's what they do. And so she's singing this famous song, Let It Go, right? Let It Go. And in it, she talks about how there's no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. Do you see? Do you see? Wow. But what Jesus is saying, what John has pinned through the power of the Holy Spirit is letting us know that that definition of freedom is too simplistic. And not only is it too simplistic, but it is unworkable. It's not realistic. That is the lie of freedom. The lie of freedom is that I can do whatever I want. Let me give you an example. Back when I was in university, I was a freshman. 
years and years and years ago. And, uh, and, and so I got there and I was feeling great and then I started not feeling great. And so I went to the doctor and the doctor said, hey, listen, I wanna run some tests. And, and he says, uh, you might be allergic to this thing called gluten. Now, back then I never heard of gluten. Now we hear gluten all everywhere. But back then I didn't know anything about it. And I said, oh, okay. And he said, well, until then, he said, uh, try not to eat anything with gluten in it. Gotcha, okay, no gluten. I go to walk out the door and I stop and I realize I don't know what gluten is. So I turned around and asked the doctor, I said, uh, uh, excuse me, doc, uh, what, what's, what, what has gluten in it? And he hands me this pamphlet and it just rolls out like a huge scroll, right? And I'm like, what is all this? These are, these are things you can't eat. These are things I can't eat. And I'm looking at everything. And you know what has gluten in it? Do you want to know? Everything that tastes good has gluten in it. That's what has gluten in it. Everything that tastes good. And I'm looking at this thing. I said, devil, you are a liar. I'm not about to do this. And I said, are you sure? Maybe I got cancer. I have a fighting chance with cancer. I don't know if I can do this. You know. Now, let me ask you this. What does the modern definition of freedom mean in that context? Right? What does it mean in that context? Do, do you see? Because if freedom means that I can do whatever I desire, what happens when my desires conflict? What happens? Because I like cake, but I also like to live. Those are two desires. Eat cake and live. Well, what happens... When I have to choose one, what does freedom look like in that? Circumstances. I enjoy the way Tim Keller puts it. He says this, freedom isn't the removing of constraints, but finding the liberating ones. Finding the liberating ones. So now do you begin, you're beginning to get a picture of the, this complexity of freedom. That, that freedom isn't just whatever you, I, I can do because, because obviously that, there's, that, that doesn't actually work out in reality. And, and freedom is, is actually having to discover what, what, what kind of constraints are more liberating. And, and so all these questions begin to populate in one's mind. Well, well, well what are the most liberating constraints that face me, and, and why is it that I don't tend to choose those? And, and really what I'm asking, Pastor Rogers, even though I'm a Christian, and, and, and yes, I believe in Jesus, and, and I worship him, and I love him, and I come to church, and I do that, why, why is it that I come, and I, and I show up on Sundays, and, and, I, and I go to small groups, and, and I drove, you know, grow, growth tracks, and, and I hit accept on the planning center when it's my turn to serve? Some of you need to work on that, maybe. Um, and, <clears throat> praise God, you know, and, 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 and I do all that, but why is it that I still don't feel free? Why is it I give and I, and I read and I pray and I say, but why is it that I still don't feel free? I join a team and, and I come and I, and I say amen and, and why is it that I still don't feel free? And I took the course and, and I started studying the book and, and I went through the program and, 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 I, and now I'm going through discipleship, and, but why is it that I still don't feel free? Free. And I've been serve, serving Christ for 10 years or 15 years, but why is it that I still don't feel free? Feel free. The funny thing about feelings is that they, are, uh, that they fluctuate. And, and, and here's why, because feelings, they can be indicators of reality, but they should never be fabricators of reality. Do you see that? Because feelings are fleeting and ever-changing. And so what happens is when we get a feeling, then we are then in a temporary circumstance. And what you never want to do is you never want to make a permanent decision in a temporary circumstance. You know what I'm talking about? Permanent decision, temporary, give you a great example. 
my, 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 my daughter, she's 13 and she's, you know, grown and teenager and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, she'll say something and she, it, it just, you know, irritates me and now I'm mad. And I'm like, you're grounded for a year. <clears throat> I'll just say that, you're grounded for a year, you know? Now, why in the world would I say that? Because I'm mad. I have this feeling. And, and I'm making this decision in a temporary circumstance. Don't not do that. Now, I'm not saying don't deny your feelings. Feelings are important. But your feelings must always be filtered through facts. Feelings must always be filtered through facts. But, but we live in a generation that says, no, 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 feelings trump facts. But the Bible says, no, 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 feelings are important, but they don't trump facts. You, what you do is you filter your feelings through facts. You see what I'm saying? And so let me just give you some. When you say, well, I feel like I'm alone, and that's a feeling. But the fact is that God never leaves you and never forsakes you. That's the fact. You feel defeated, but the fact is that Jesus Christ died and rose again three days later, defeating death in the grave, and he stands in victory, and because he's victorious, you are victorious. That's a fact. You see what I'm saying? Well, I feel lonely and depressed. Well, let me just say this. That's a feeling, and I'm not saying that, 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 that you shouldn't try to process that, but process that in the presence of God with the fact that he is your peace, and he is your joy. You see what I'm saying? Those are facts, that Jesus Christ is coming again soon, and so what that means is I don't have to have the last word. I don't have to worry about it. I, it's not my battle. I don't have to worry about proving myself all the time because Jesus is coming again. You see what I'm saying? So how do we understand the complexities of freedom? Well, we cannot begin to understand the complexities of freedom fully without also understanding the enemy of freedom. Point two, the enemy of freedom. Jesus here tries to show us the ultimate enemy of freedom. And this is interesting because when we think of an enemy, we always think of the enemy being someone out there, right? The bad person is someone out there, those people. The evil people are, are those people out there somewhere. It's, it's always those people, that person out there. And Jesus Christ is saying, no, no, it's the person in here. You see? Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. He says, they answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, listen, they weren't dumb. They understood their history when they told Jesus, well, you know, we're, at, we're Abraham's descendants. They knew very well that their descendants were slaves. They were physical slaves and they had to be physically free. And so, so they understood that and they're saying, well, we've never been slaves. Our ancestors have never been slaves. How can you say we're going to be free? Well, obviously they're not talking about physical slavery, but they're talking about spiritual slavery. They're not talking about slavery out here. They're talking about slavery in here. And what they're trying to tell Jesus is, no, no, my heart is good. I've obeyed. I've said yes. I've done all the things. I've marked all the boxes. I did all the check marks. I've been a good religious person. And so I am okay. How can you say I need to be free? And Jesus comes up and flips the script and says, no, 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 no. See, because everybody sins. Everybody sins. I don't know. I don't know if everybody sins, Pastor Roger. You don't know my grandma. She seems like she sins. She sins. She said, no, she sins. She said, well, what about you, Pastor Roger? I sin. Don't th you don't think I sin? I sin. Everybody sin. Everybody, 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 everybody. Everybody sins. Which is why we need Jesus. 
And so because everybody sins, but when you do that, then you become a slave to sin. Do, do you see that? And what they're saying is, no, I'm, I'm okay. And he's saying, no, you're not. And all throughout the Bible, this is discussed and expounded and demonstrated. But let me just give you a few. Let me just give you a few. I don't have time to be here all day. We got to hurry up and get to the restaurant or whatever. But you know what I'm saying? So we'll, we'll, we'll do this. But, but let me just give you some examples, okay? Let me give you some examples. So example one is this. There's something within all of us that sin causes us to be like, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Right? Inside all of us. There's something that pops up every once in a while. We may not want to admit. I'm not going to look at nobody. We're just going to act all holy and proper and everything. So I'm not looking at nobody. But there are everybody in this room once in a while. There's a voice inside of you that says, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Oh, yeah. And if you deny that, then you don't have very good self-awareness. Because it happens all the time. You know, Becca's like, baby, you need to take out the trash. Okay, I'm going to take out the trash take out this trash right now. Don't mean tell me to take out the trash. I'll take out the trash when I want to take out the trash, woman. I don't even know why you told me to take out the trash. I was in the middle of watching a game, and now I got to go and take out the trash and come over here and take out the trash, put it in here. And what do you think you are? Just tell me take out the trash. I don't think I'm going to come back in here and do all this different thing. And here, hi, honey, it's done. <laughs> right? 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 Or when you, maybe you just sat down, you know, you're tired, you just sat down on the couch and wife walks in and, and, and she says, um, were you thinking of going to the store? That's not a question, y'all. Not a question. You go into the store. That's what that means. You are going to the store. You might as well just get up right now and go to the store because you go into the store. You see. Right? Now, see, here's the thing is, is that there's something within this that says that. But, but, here, but here's the problem is that, is that there, we have to die to that daily. We have to die to that inner voice daily because we have to recognize and we have to proclaim that what the gospel says. And we have to speak the gospel narrative against the lie script that is on repeat in our hearts. You see let me give you an example. You see a, a five-year-old behind the wheel of a car. Maybe you're on the freeway, right? And, and you look over and there's a five-year-old driving the car. Okay, all of us, I hope, would panic, would panic, because even in the Bay Area, there is not a car that has been created to be operated by a five-year-old. That car does not exist yet, does not exist, right? And we get nervous because the reality is, is that this, there's a big potential that this car might get in an accident, might hit a pole, hit a tree, whatever, Right? Heaven forbid the kid's going to get hurt. The car for sure will be damaged. Now, when you see that, when you see that, what you know is that if you were to look in the owner manual of the car, the owner's manual lets you know that this car was not meant to be operated by a five-year-old. So if a five-year-old is operating it, then what happens is when the car gets in an accident, you did not just violate the manual, but you violated the car. You violated the reality of what the car was created for. See, when we do not obey God's commands, it's not just that we're violating some book, but we're actually violating ourselves. We're damaging ourselves because we have been created to operate and function in a certain way. Do you see that? Right? How about this? How about this? Another example. Another example of sin. How sin does this. How sin does this. It, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Right? The Bible says you must forgive. Have to. Must. Gotta forgive. Gotta forget. Yep, you gotta do it. 
And I know you're thinking of that person right now in your head. I know. And it, you're, I mean, y'all can feel it. Your fingers are curling up. And you, I mean, you know. And Bible says, no, you got to forgive that person. You must do it. Why? Why? Because if you don't, that you're not just violating the commands, but you're violating the creator and you're violating yourself. Do, do you see what I'm saying? See, what unforgiveness does, right, what unforgiveness does is it allows the other person to hold the thermostat to my feelings, right? Because that person walks in the room and all of a sudden, do, 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 do. I might not say anything, you know? I might be polite, right? Hello, God bless you. Right? But inside, my heart's like, ooh, right? That's what happens. You're hanging out, right? All of a sudden, the person shows up. The person's name's mentioned even, right? Do, 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 do. You see that? Gotta forgive. Gotta forgive. They, or, or think about it this way. Let's just say there's a fish. There's a fish, and the fish is swimming in the water, and, and all of a sudden, the fish decides, says, you know what? Uh, I decide that I'm not... I, I'm not going to live in the water anymore. I want to go live on the land. I, I'm a grown fish. Nobody can tell me what to do. I'm my own fish. I am my own fish. And nobody, I want to be free. And I want to be able to live wherever I want to live. I want to be able to do whatever I want to do. And I don't want to be in this water anymore. And so I'm just going to hop on out of the water. And I'm going to go onto the land. And the next thing you know, the fish hops out of the water. And it starts flopping around. You know what I mean? And the fish finds out really quickly that what it thought would bring freedom brings death. Because the fish was designed to operate in a certain environment. And as long as it operates within that, then, then all of a sudden that's when it experiences true freedom. True freedom, you see. See, sin causes us to be self-centered. It causes us to go from being Christ-centered to self-centered. But there is no room for God in a mind that is full of self. Your relationship becomes, with everybody else, becomes self-centered, doesn't it? Oh, sure it does. You, uh, the relationships you have with your spouses or, or with your neighbor or, or, or with your coworkers or with your kids all becomes about gratifying your needs and you, it's important to serve your needs and as long as my needs are being served. Otherwise, I'll be angry. There'll be silent frustration or bitterness or detachment, right? And we bring this self-serving mentality to Christ. That's what we do. Say, used to, to be a Christian, meant that you serve the Lord. That's what it used to mean. But not anymore. Oh, no, no, no. Now people are coming to Christ because they want Christ to serve them. That's what they want. They want Jesus to be added to their portfolio to enhance their life, to make their life better. You see? And the minute that Jesus doesn't do that, then there's a problem. The minute that Jesus is not convenient, then there's an issue. Because that's what we try to do. But I dethrone God whenever I demand that he always acts in ways that satisfies my ideas. I dethrone God the minute that I demand that he always acts in ways that satisfies my ideas. Now, if you want to serve that kind of God, go right ahead. But that's not a God. You just need to know that. You need to understand that. So this desire to live for your own self-interest becomes paramount and it becomes the cry of the culture. Now you see why the modern idea of freedom is so popular because it feeds into our selfishness, doesn't it? It feeds into the sin of selfishness. 
Wow. The sin of selfishness. And what's happened is there has been a radical redefinition of freedom. The classical understanding of freedom has been to pursue the good, right? The good things of Christ defined by Jesus. Now, freedom is do whatever the hell I want. Now, when I say hell, I don't mean it as a curse word. I mean it as a theological term because that's basically what hell is. Hell is basically you saying that you're gonna do whatever you want. It's you bowing down to yourself. It's you bowing down your knee to yourself. That's what hell is, you see. And so the radical redefinition of freedom is power to pursue, right, whatever you define to be good for yourself. And, the, and this redefinition is what the New Testament calls slavery. Because when you move and make decisions based on self, then that means you're making decisions based on uh, being cynical, domineering, fear-based, and so on and so forth. Because the fact is that sin is self-centered. Sin. I know that's not a popular word, and our culture today wants to say that the only sin is to admit that there's sin. But see, what self-centeredness does is it destroys love. And love is what becomes your ultimate freedom. You see. Just like the fish going back into the water, and when it does that, uh, it's able to actually live free, right? Uh, It's firing on all cylinders. Uh, All of the capabilities are going, and, and that's what real freedom is, to have joy and peace and fulfillment. All of these things going and firing at the same time. And just like water is to the fish, we have to ask the question, well, then what is the water to our soul? What is the water to our soul? How can we be liberated? Who can liberate us? Who can liberate us? You see. Let me just tell you a secret. You want to know the secret? Secret is this. You're already free. If you're a Christian this morning, the, the secret is you're already free. You just have to choose to live in the freedom that you have. As we get ready to close, point three, live in the freedom that you have. Live in the freedom. Look at this, verse 35. No, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. You are free indeed. You are free indeed. In other words, your freedom is not based on what you do, but what Christ has done. Your freedom is not based on what you do, but what Christ has done. Do do you understand that? And and, and so this is why the the vision that Abraham had was so important. Do you remember this vision where Abraham saw uh, all of these dead animals and, and and, and and their carcasses were split in half and one was put on one side, one was put on the other. Remember this? And there was this big colander type thing, this big, this big pot that was just smoking and, and, and it began to move between the pieces. Do, Do you remember that? And Abraham got so excited about it. Now to us, that sounds weird, right? When you're reading that, you're like, what in the world is this, right? But see, then they under, he understood it very clearly because then if you wanted to make a blood covenant with somebody, that's exactly what you did. You had two parties and they would take these animals and they would cut them in half and they would put one half of the body on one side, one half of the body on the other. And then the person would stand here and, and they would say, listen, I agree to the terms of our covenant. 
and then they'd walk through the pieces and they would say, if I break my side of the covenant, then what happens to these animals, may it happen to me. That's what they'd say. And then the other person would walk through and they would say the same thing. They'd say, I too agree. And if I break the covenant, then what happens to these animals will happen to me. So when Abraham sees this, he knows that God, God's presence, God is making a covenant with him, right? And so God says, listen, here's the covenant. The covenant is, I will be your God and you'll be my people. That's the covenant. And so God says, okay, God says, I'm gonna be your God. And as I go through these pieces, if I ever fail to be your God, whatever happens to the animals made it happen to me, right? So then you would think that the next part of the vision would be Abraham. Now it's Abraham's term to walk through the pieces and say, okay, whatever, I'm gonna be your people. And if I ever stop being your people, then whatever happens to these animals may happen to me. That's what you think would happen. But in the vision, Abraham never has to walk through the pieces. Do you see what God did? God says, listen, God says, not only will I keep my end of the covenant, but I'll make sure that if you break your end, I'll pay for the sacrifice. Do you see that? Whatever happens to these animals may happen to me, and it did. The Canaan king hung on a cross on the hill of Golgotha. Your freedom is already yours. Your freedom you already have. Your freedom is already there. Don't, you don't have to live in the lie that thinking you need to be free. You are already free. And to the degree you know that truth, it's to the degree you live free. To the degree you know that truth is to the degree you live free. Notice what he says is, if you obey my commands, you are my disciples, then you will know the truth, and then the truth will set you free, right? Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In other words, it's the truth you know that sets you free. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember the Emancipation Proclamation when it was signed, right? So it's signed, and so now you have the African Americans that, that, that legally, legally are, are no longer having to be slaves. Now, there's a lot of process in that, but, but I'm oversimplifying it for the sake of the illustration. But what happened is, is that it took a long time for that information to cross the United States. And so there were slaves, there were people living on this side of the United States that had no idea, that had no idea that they were legally free, even though that was the truth. But because they didn't know that truth, they didn't live in that truth. But, but Jesus says, if you obey my commands, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so my question is this, if you're already free, why are you living like a slave? You say, well, I'm not, well, I'm not living like a slave. What are you talking about? I'm not, I'm not living like a, a slave. Oh, oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. Uh, see, 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 for many of you, may, maybe you work and, and you work hard and you overwork and you overwork and you overwork and you're never home and you're never paying attention because you're working and you're working and you're working and you're working. And why are you doing that? Well, because I need to provide for my family. Well, why do you need to provide for your family? Well, because we have to have the house. The three-bedroom house wasn't good enough. We need to have the five-bedroom house. Well, why do you need to have the five-bedroom house? Well, it's a better deal. You can just do all this stuff. And, and, and really, it's because I want to make sure that I give my kids something and, and so on and so forth. And, and, and well, why do you have to have that one? And to where you have to overwork and overwork and overwork. Well, because somehow that tells me I'm successful. Somehow that tells me I've made it. 
So I've made all these decisions and I've done all this stuff so I can make sure to get that house and I'm overworking and I'm overworking and I'm totally ignoring other areas in my life. And I'm not praying, I'm not reading, I'm not spending time with the spouse, I'm not spending time with the kids because I'm working and working and working and working because somehow I valued my success to that slave. That's not the free you. That's the slave you. You know, or how about this? You go into a restaurant. Y'all know how this is. You walk into a restaurant, right? And they, and they say, okay, you know, we're going to seat you. So they seat you, right? And then the party behind you comes in and they seat the party that came behind you. Now you were first. You were first. You got the, but then you see they get their food before yours. They get their food before yours. And there's something inside you that says, wait a minute. That's not right. That's not fair. I should get it. I was here first. I've earned it. Oh, you see, now we're mad at the waitress and we're mad at the host and we're mad at the restaurant. And that's the slave you. That's not the free you. You see what I'm saying? That's the slave you. That's not the free you. You scream at your kid because they acted up in, the, in front of the grocery store and now you're yelling at them and you're domineering over them. And, and the question is, well, why did you do that? Well, because they were being embarrassing. Well, why, well why, why did they embarrass you? Well, because it was in front of a lot of people. Well, why does that matter? Well, because I, I care about what they think. Why do you care about what they think? Well, because I fear rejection. Oh, so it really wasn't about the kid's behavior. It was about your embarrassment. Slave you, not the free you. You know what I'm saying? Or how about you come to church and, when, when, and you're here at church and you got to make sure that, 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 that you look the part, that you look the part. And so you're performing, you're performing, you're performing. And maybe you go to small groups and, and here you are in your small groups and you're talking. And everybody's confessing their sin and they're really confessing it. They're talking about the porn and they're talking about how they got angry and they're talking about how they, how they punched a hole in the wall. And they, they, I mean, they're really going at it and, re- and it's your turn to confess and you don't say nothing. Or maybe you confess this one little thing because you're worried about what they'll really think. That's the slave you, that's not the free you. Maybe when you worry, you lay your head down at night and it stresses you out, you're so filled with anxiety you can't even sleep and you have to just take one of the, well, you know, one, one of those sleeping gummies and another sleeping gummy and another sleeping gummy and have the fan on and have your eye mask on with the ocean waves and everything just to try to get you to get some sleep and because you're stressed out and you're filled with anxiety and you're filled with worry. Listen, that's the slave you, that's not the free you. That's the slave you, that's not the free you. That's not you. Or you come to church and, 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 and you treat Jesus Christ like, like, like listen, I gotta do it, I gotta do it. And I can't fall into temptation because here's why I can't fall into temptation. Because, because, what, because what if Jesus comes to get me? What, 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 if, you know, what, what's God, what if God punishes me? That's why I'm not gonna do it. Or I'm not gonna fall into temptation because, because, uh, because it, it, it'll look bad. What, what do people think about me? Or I'm not gonna fall into temptation because I'm gonna feel bad the next day if I do. Now listen, all those things might be true, but none of those things are sufficient reasons to not fall into temptation. Do you see that? Because all of those reasons mean that the reason you're not wanting to fall into temptation is all about you, your works, what you can do. The reason we don't wanna fall into temptation is because we love the Lord. Because we love the Lord. And if it's for any other reason, then you're doing works of faith. You're trying to earn God's approval and the problem is when you try to earn it, you say, well, I've been good enough and I prayed hard enough and I've given enough. And then all of a sudden now you stand before God and you say, God, you owe me. You owe me a good life. 
You owe me a good life. So when the doctor reports comes in or when the kid's at the hospital or, or, or the teenager ran away and now you're angry with God because you felt like, well, God, I'm going to church. I'm doing that. You owe me this. That's the slave you. That's not the free you. That's not the free you. You see what I'm saying? Not the free you. When you're uneasily, when you're easily frustrated or impatient, that's not the free you. Wow. You're free. You're free. As you stand to your feet, I'm just gonna say one more thing, which is this. Maybe you're killing, maybe you're carrying around guilt and shame. Maybe you're carrying around guilt and shame. And so you feel guilty, you feel shameful, and you've been carrying that around. And let me just say this, stop carrying what Christ has already carried. Stop carrying what Christ has already carried. He's already carried it. He already carried it. He already carried it. The worry, he already carried it. He took that to the cross. The stress, he already carried it. He took that to the cross. The fear, he already carried it. The insecurity, he already carried it. Why do you carry what God has already carried? You're trying to pay a bill that Jesus Christ already covered. You're trying to pay a debt that Jesus Christ already paid for. Don't put yourself through that, but rather trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ that those who the Son set free are free indeed. You are free today. Are you going to walk in it? Are you going to live in it? Are you going to breathe in it? Are you going to pray in it? Are you going to stand in it? Are you going to move in it? Are you going to decide in it? You are free today. I came to tell you one thing, Thrive Church, that you are free in Jesus Christ. Just one thing, if you don't get anything else out of this message, one thing, Thrive, you are free in Jesus Christ and everything else is a lie from the enemy. You've been listening to Satan's voice for too long. You need to get the gospel inside of you. You need to get Jesus Christ's voice in your head to erase what it is that Satan is trying to impress in you you are free in Jesus name how that person hurts you and hurts you deep and that wound runs deep you don't think about it you don't want to talk about it or maybe you were the one that hurt the person and now you're filled with now you're riddled with guilt and shame and you don't talk about it Either way, both of you are free. You're free. As we get ready to respond and worship this morning, I'm gonna begin to lift up our voices. Would you just begin to index your heart, just recalibrate it in a posture of just responding to what the gospel is saying to you this morning, how the Holy Spirit is speaking into your heart this morning. And if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Roger, yeah. There's areas in my life that I'm not walking in the freedom that I already have in Jesus Christ. And you would love for me or one of our pastors to pray with you. As we begin to sing, would you just make your way to this front here or to the side? Or if you can't make it here, raise your hand. And, but I would love, we would love an opportunity to pray with you because I know what it's like. I know what it's like every day have to sacrifice and kill yourself and say, Lord Jesus, I need to remember I'm free. I need to remember I'm free. Would you do that this morning? Would you come to the front, to the side, and let us just pray with you in Jesus' name.
Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.